Cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who has uh, promised a couple guys all the eggs he lays this month. Welcome, Jacob. A promise I intend not to keep. <laughs> you intend to actually give them your eggs? No. You intend to lay eggs that you will refuse to give them? No! <laughs> then why did you say you intended not to keep it? Because technically, much like Rocky in this movie... Even if you don't, since you won't lay any eggs, you did technically give them all the eggs you'll lay this month. Well, someone else laid. No, he didn't give any eggs. That is true. Because it was only his eggs. And that is true. Don't lay eggs. That is true. Anyway. Yeah, he stole my bun. <laughs> Either way. I had a feeling that yeah. we stole each other's. <laughs> no, you didn't, actually. Why, thank you. Let me introduce our co-host, a man who looks like he just got fired out of a cannon. Welcome, Drew. <laughs> is this because my face is all red from laughing so hard? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> so today we are going to be reviewing Chicken Run. But first, Jacob, how are you doing? Uh, minus cleaning all day. I've been great. <laughs> cleaning all day? Yeah, at work. Apparently we have a, a new district director, uh, a man I've known for many, many years. Uh, apparently is like a little persnickety, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, uh, by the way, Mitch, if you're watching this, woof, either way. Uh, yeah, we've been cleaning for most of the week and, uh, yeah, it's been very interesting. Plus I'm going in at nine o'clock in the morning, which is not bad. <laughs> I was about to say, you better not be complaining about going in at nine. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. But, uh, yeah, I've been doing pretty good. Pretty good. How about you? I've been doing good. Um, did finally get my COVID shot last week. So Yay! I'm only halfway uh, cured. Vaccinated. Cured, cured is not the right word, but vaccinated, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cured like a ham. Uh, <laughs> that's that's how I feel a lot of days. No, that'd be during the summer. He'd be like, nice and golden. <laughs> Give it time. This is Texas. That is true. It will get that hot. Yeah, agreed. But, on the other hand, <laughs> I've had a very relaxing week. Excellent. So, I then have just one other question for you. What's that? What have you been watching? What have I been watching? All right. So, we watched Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. Amazing movie. <laughs> Get over here! All right. You know... Whatever. <laughs> I just remember us sitting in here watching the movie. Oh, yes. And that moment comes up when we say, and we're both just going, say the line. Like, say, say the, the line. line! <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. It was perfect. Uh, we will be reviewing that movie for uh, the movie, movie of the, the week, week podcast. podcast. 
And uh, we also watched uh, The Mitchells versus The Machines. That was on Netflix. Yes, and that was good. That was. It was very good. Go watch it. It's a lot of fun. Like I, I and distra- then go listen to our reactions episode that we released just yesterday. Yeah. So go take a look at that. Yeah. Uh, I would describe The Mitchells versus The Machines as downing a a monster a monster energy drink while going on the most craziest roller coaster ever. It doesn't stop. That is true. Yeah. It's one of those movies. I mean, it does stop. There is credits at the end. Yeah. There are credits. Agreed. But other than that, I watched, uh, well, we also watched, over at our friend Drew's uh, Chases. There again, I get you two mixed up all the time for some reason. Uh, when I'm this size <laughs> and this tall, he's this size and this tall. I'm aware. I'm just a little... If we stood next to each other, we'd look like the number 10. Or zero one, one depending on which side we stand on. Either way... So when we got finished with our Bible study, which was very short, we watched uh, uh, Rune Soldier. More Louis. More Louis. Louis and the Rune Soldiers. Uh, very... Louis and the Rune Soldiers. Yeah, totally. I think it's the full title. No, I think the full title is Louis the Rune Soldier. Soldier. Oh, okay. Not Louis and the Rune Soldiers. There's okay. only one Rune Soldier. That, okay. And yet we've yet to see a Rune, but that's beside the point. Yeah, that's true. Either way, we're I think we're on episode like eight or nine. I I have no idea. Nine or ten, one of those. But uh, it's so a, watching that movie is that watching that television show is always against my will. <laughs> uh, great series, go check it out. I don't know where you can find it legally, but that's true. Yeah, Google it. I'm sure you'll find it somewhere. Yeah, probably. I'm gonna make wild guess. Either uh, Sentai Filmworks or. Discotech Media or Right Stuff. Somebody's got the right to it. Somebody's, Somebody's got, got it. it. Either way, you mean like that is all I believe I've watched in the past week. What about you? I've gotten farther on Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh. I just got to the episode titled The Water Scroll, where Katara steals a water scroll from pirates. Oh, fun. So yeah, that was interesting. Mm. Uh, so that's I'm up to that episode. For those curious, we may have to do animated series on this. Okay, but I, I that's in the I, future. I, I have no qualms against this. I don't know when because I think there's one or two things we want to do that would come in ahead of it. But I agree. All right. Uh, so there's that. Uh, let's see. I can't say Falcon and the Winter Soldier because that was two weeks ago. Yeah. Amazing, by the way. That was a good ending. That was a very good ending. Other than that, I've not really watched a whole lot. Uh, Just, you know, what we've already talked about with, you know, Mortal Mm -hmm. Kombat Mm -hmm. and... um, Crazy Louie. Louie and... uh, The Mitchells. And... uh, uh, internet memes the movie much better than the emoji movie i'll tell you that right oh my now. gosh same production company too that's, that's ironic uh, but anyway <laughs> uh, uh josh in our uh, chat says uh 
he's been watching uh, ReZero and Jujutsu Kaisen. He says he also watched the Street Fighter live action movie. I'm going to double check. Is that the one with uh, Rawls Julia in it? As in Bison? Also, he says he loves Avatar The Last Airbender. Ah. I understand that. It's very good. Ah. Yes, that is the one. Sorry. (laughs) All right. Ever since we are recording this on May the 4th, 2021. Uh, So May the 4th. Well, a happy Star Wars day. Exactly. And go check out our only Star Wars review, which was the Lego Star Wars holiday special. Yeah. Go check that out. And plus, I did a piece art for that. So you can go to my Facebook, uh, my Jacob's Daily Art Corner. Go check that out. Or if you want to be ironic, go watch our uh, Star Trek Lower Decks episodes there we go that's reverse may the 4th but yeah either way. exactly <laughs> either way uh what do we got in the news news all right so in there again it is may the 4th so disney plus is rolling out uh star wars the new batch premieres today the on, bad batch not the new batch the bad batch <laughs> the new batch of the bad batch <laughs> uh an elite and experimental clones of the bad batch uh, first introduced in in the Star Wars animated series. Uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, the that, final season, apparently. That's, yes. Uh, they find their way to a changing galaxy after the events of the Clone Wars. Uh, members of the Batch, a unique squad of clones who are very, uh, very, genetically, uh, very genetically from their brothers and, and in the clone army. Each was a... Uh, it sounds like a very interesting show. Let's say that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, so either way, I'm sure D. Bradley Baker is happy for the work. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we are now going to get into a bit of news, which is kind of saddening, kind of frustrating. <laughs> okay, Luca, the 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 film that was going to I, come to theaters. I feel so sorry for Pixar. I agree. All right, so as is stated in uh, IndieWire.com, Luca is following Soul in skipping theaters and streaming exclusively on Disney Plus this summer. Several Pixar staffers speak, uh, spoke anonymously to Insider to criticize Disney's decision to move the movie from the movie some of the animated studio titles exclusively to streaming platforms. Disney Plus, the first animated first Pixar film to Sidestep movie theaters, uh, of course, was Soul, but many people believed that this was a one-time decision due to the pandemic in 2020. However, Disney print announced on in March that Disney uh, the uh, movie Luca will also skip theaters and head directly to Disney Plus, despite theaters reopening and the market slowly coming back to life. Luca will be available on Disney Plus without the twenty nine ninety nine premiere uh, okay. fee used by uh, Mulan and Ray and the Last Dragon. Let me finish. Luca doesn't. This is a quote. Luca doesn't doesn't even have a premiere price next to it. One staffer told Insider. Does it make it lesser? It's hard to grasp. Okay, so here's the thing. The last movie Disney had in theaters prior to COVID was Pixar's Onward. Mm-hmm. Which was amazing, by the way. Amazing we did, movie. We did a review we, of we it. Do need to, well, we did a reaction. We haven't done a full review yeah. of it yet, but believe me, we're going to. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, 
and so then later on, as things were as theaters were as were first just starting to finally open back up in some places. Yes. Uh, Disney went ahead and put out Mulan on Premier Access. Yes. We were both agitated, understandably. Yes. Especially since Disney didn't even put uh, the, that Premier Access film in theaters like it would do later for uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. So, in some ways, I think we were fairly happy that we were going to get to see Soul for the just the price of Disney+. Plus. Yeah, exactly. So... And like you said, that was we th- all thought this was a one-time only thing. Mm-hmm. Well, back in what was it, April or March, when they announced mm-hmm. that March Black Widow was going to be premiere access mm-hmm. and was going to getting pushed back again. Yes, I thought, okay, that's you know what, I don't like the idea that it's on premiere access. But since, like, Raya and the Last Dragon, it's also going to be in theaters. It really does not affect me, because I'll see it in a theater either way. But that also means it's not going to get pushed again. Unless, you know, just some really weird, you know, horrible thing happens with the, with the COVID situation mm-hmm. that we can't predict at this point. I'm not saying it can't happen. It's just, you know, more than likely, the way things are looking... Well, it'll be no issue going into a movie theater to watch uh, Black Widow when the time comes. And I guess I just did not see until last week. It didn't even occur to me that Luca was not going to be in theaters. Hmm. And that's the thing. It's another Pixar movie. Now, I understand that Raya did not perform as well as it might have if it had gone straight to theaters or straight to Disney Plus without the theater thing, and there was some mixture in mm-hmm. that, and maybe that's what is causing Disney's hesitation with animated movies. Maybe. But man, is it an interesting coincidence that Agreed. Soul and Luca, mm-hmm. back to back, are getting this treatment where it's straight to Disney Plus. Yeah. I mean, at least onward, it came out in theaters like right before the pandemic was really shutting everything down. And they immediately, as soon as that was becoming obvious what was happening, they put it on like everything Yeah, that had a... It wasn't premiere access at that point, but I, I remember seeing it on Amazon and places like that. But then I don't understand why... I understand Soul because we didn't know. We really did not know and Disney yeah. was playing it safe. I will give them that much of a of a of a leg up. Mm-hmm. But release Luca to theaters if you're gonna release everything else Disney. Yeah, in a theater, put this in a theater. Put the premiere access on it for the for the poor souls who can't get out there and see it in a theater like it's supposed to be. Yeah, but for the rest of us, yeah. Who can get out to a movie theater? Put it in a movie theater. Yeah, please. That's all we ask. Yeah, I I, I guarantee some movie theater owner is like, oh, okay, I'm gonna watch it on Disney Plus. I'm just gonna screen. I'm gonna screen it onto our you know 200 foot screen and invite people they in. Can't do that. And that's a good way to get Disney to pull, uh, to to not sell you 
their uh, not sell the theaters the, the rights to uh, their films. Okay, well, never mind. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Really, don't do it. Let the play the game correctly. Yeah, please. But yeah, that keep in mind what's. Did you see this the 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 Phase Four Marvel listing that the trailer that came out yesterday? They oh, don't want no one wants to lose Disney right now. No, of course not. Not after those six movies were given the uh-huh. United States. Yeah, all with primarily within this year. Uh, four this year. Mm-hmm. I think four next year, and then some in twenty twenty three. I don't remember the exact numbers, but yeah, Jim and E's will be like. I watched it just the other day and it's just like, wow. Okay. And they, they follow up, they follow everything up with the fantastic four logo. It's like, ah! <laughs> at this point, I, I, they, they're very smart about saying, no, we have to finish phase four with fantastic four, four. Mm-hmm. but this is not a Marvel podcast. No, it's this not. This is a cartoon podcast. Well, what else we got in the news? All right, that's it, actually. That's actually the news? That's actually the news. Then let us go ahead and jump into our spoiler-free section for the movie Chicken Run. Mm-hmm. I first saw this movie in theaters in 2000. Mm-hmm. This was the first stop-motion movie I'd seen in a the movie theater. If not the first stop-motion film I'd actually seen. Because mm-hmm. I didn't go... I didn't get a chance to watch either James and the Giant Peach or... Nightmare Before Christmas while it was in theaters. Like, I still haven't seen James and the Giant Peach. But, um, I remember being impressed with this movie at, uh, even back then. This has been right before I went into high school. I remember it was funny. It had a great story. The animation was spectacular. And I couldn't believe nobody else I talked to around me had ever heard of the movie. Mm. It's like, Guys, come on! This is a good movie. Y'all need to go see it. This puts some, this puts a lot of stuff y'all watch to shame. Mm. Yeah, it's about chickens trying not to get you know their heads chopped off. But it's it is an interesting movie. I I enjoy it tremendously. If you've never seen Chicken Run, I can tell you right now, go watch it. You will enjoy yourself. It is a fun movie and it's a movie the whole family can watch it does not suffer from kids movie syndrome like rio did that is my spoiler free thoughts Mm. what are yours okay so this is the first time watching the movie and i'm watching the movie and i get to the end i'm not worried i don't really like it it was kind of boring it was it was it was an interesting film. It had just kind of these like you know it, it was funny in some ways. It was kind of boring in some ways. Like yeah, it's it was okay. Honestly, it was okay. It wasn't that great. Please tell me this is an elaborate joke. Bark-ock. But kidding. It was great. It was it was it was a wonderful. I will um, kick <laughs> you out of this apartment. Let's <laughs> turn to the Drew show. <laughs> No, I, I'd be like, I honestly and truly, uh, uh, by the, by the savior of Jesus Christ, this was a wonderful, amazing, <laughs> wonderful film, uh, that I loved. Like it's, it's one of these, it, it has the, the, um, the, the idea of like a history nerd like me is watching this film. It's like, oh my gosh, the, the, uh, you see what they're doing. Yeah. You see what they're doing. It's like, oh my gosh. Yes. I want more of this. And uh, like the 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 voice acting was perfect. 
it's it, it's a great film. Oh my gosh, be like I can't believe it took me uh 20 years, 21 years, 21 years to watch this. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm definitely missed out in a couple of years, but, uh, it was, it was definitely worth a watch. Um, and I highly recommend it. It's about to come over there and slap the <laughs> fire out of you or strangle me and, you know, perhaps make, make me into pot pie. <laughs> Hang you, hang you by your legs in the machine as it goes around. Make sure you hit the veg button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. Anyway. Uh, yes. So, uh, yeah, I think that's going to bring us to the end of the spoiler-free section. Join us on the other side of the bumpers, and we will yes. get to spoiling this thing. Ray. Right. We're wrong. Okay. This progress is a part of... Christian Reek Central Network. Hey, Scoop, what are you doing, man? I don't know. I'm supposed to be reading an ad. <laughs> All right, hold on. Give me, give me it. Okay. <laughs> All right. This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. There you can find a collection of blogs and podcasts working together to bring you some of the best content on the web for Christian geeks. Such as The Untold Podcast. Engaging the culture's imagination, The Untold Podcast prevents free speculative fiction every month from a Christian worldview. The Untold Podcast aims to recapture the power of story and use the weirder genres to do it. Science fiction, fantasy, horror, and supernatural stories serve as metaphors for our lives. The distant star systems, the shining knights, the abominable yetis, and the ghosts remind us of our own struggles, triumphs, and losses. Each month features a new story and flash fiction presented in a unique and dynamic way. The producer and narrator of the podcast is Nathan James Norman, an author, pastor, and theologian living in northern Michigan. Do you like Star Wars? I don't just mean the original trilogy. Along with that, I mean the prequels, the sequels, the anthologies, the animated shows, and of course, (laughs) who doesn't like Baby Yoda? Well, if you've been in the fandom for any length of time, you know how toxic the fandom can get. And if you'd like to be able to discuss a galaxy far, far away in a much more positive light, might I suggest searching out The Outer Rim, a Facebook group dedicated to all of Star Wars, and check out their YouTube channel, which you can easily find at Pop Americana, which the podcast you're currently listening to is also a part of. To find that and more, check out the link in the description. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Chicken Run. Listener discretion is advised. Chicken Run was written and directed by Peter Lord, who also directed The Pirates Band of Misfits, and Nick Park, who directed many of the Wallace and Gromit shorts. The screenplay was by Carrie Kirkpatrick, and she wrote the screenplay for The Rescuers Down Under. Do I need to help you with something? No. I Did you even hear what I said? Yes, you were talking about cast. <laughs> no, I was I'm sorry. Sorry, I got distracted by uh Fathom Events. <laughs> Continue. I just said that the writer of this, Carrie Kirkpatrick, <laughs> was the writer on uh Rescuers Down Under. Yeah. <laughs> 
I heard Rescuers Down Under. <laughs> anyway. Like, yeah, Rescuers Down Under. Amazing film. We will review that at some point. Exactly. <laughs> uh, getting into the cast. Uh, Rocky was played by Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. our only American on the cast. Freedom! And yes, he was. he did play William Wallace in Braveheart. Immediately before this. Mm-hmm. Um, Julia Sawala played Ginger. And in the the Red Nose short, Doctor Who, The Case of Fatal Death, I didn't write down who she played. <laughs> well, the she companion. Was the... the companion. Oh, she was the companion. Okay. Yeah, you know what the Red Nose Day uh, special is in Japan? That, that, uh, in Japan. In, in England? No. It is literally this show they do to, to, for charity to raise support for children's hospitals over there. Okay. And it's something the BBC does, and they have these little uh, skits all throughout all, uh, all throughout the show. Yeah. Well, one of them, prior to 2005, okay. which is when Ninth Doctor started, they did this one short called Doctor Who, The Curse of Fatal Death. Okay. Where Mr. Bean is the Doctor. At the beginning. (laughs) Okay. Rowan Atkinson playing the doctor. You can't tell me you don't want to watch this at some point. That sounds interesting. It is funny. It is very funny. Anyway. um, Imelda Stoughton played uh, Bunty. And in uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the... Is it Order of the Phoenix? The sixth one? Half-Blood Prince. That'll be the one with fi- Dolores Umbridge in it. Oh, oh, the f- I think that wow, the fifth one. Yeah, that's that's Order of the Phoenix, the uh, most evilest woman ever, <laughs> and she was Bunty. That was the chicken. that was Bunty. That was Bunty. <laughs> wow. Okay, I didn't recognize her because I was watching the featurette and I was like, wait a minute, that's Dolores Umbridge <laughs> at the time. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Jane Horrocks played Babs, and in Corpse Bride, she played both the Black Widow Spider and Mrs. Plum. Hmm. Lynn Ferguson was the voice of Mac, and in Something Called No Angels, she played a character named Stella. By the way, there's a lot of these I'm making it because of the British cast primarily. Mm Mm-hmm. Some of these, I'm guessing these are their big ones, because I don't really know, because some of this I've never heard of, so forgive me if I'm <laughs> missing something big. Yeah. But trust me, the really big ones, I've got. Um, <laughs> Benjamin Whitrow played Fowler, and in BBC's uh, rendition of Pride and Prejudice, he played the character of Mr. Bennett. Timothy Spall was the voice of Nick. And he was the voice. He, he played Peter Pettigrew in Harry Potter, aka oh, Wormtail. Phil Daniels played the character of Fetcher. And in something qual- called Quadrophenia, this was the biggest thing that, that was on his list. Really? This was the thing he was most famous for, according to this. It, uh, outside of Chicken Run, which was a lot of these people's. This was the one thing he was most known for. He played a character named Jenny, Jimmy on that show. Tony Haygarth plays Mr. Tweety. And in the 1979 version of Dracula, he, he played a character uh, called Milo Renfield. Okay. Miranda Richardson 
was Militia Tweedy. Mm. And I had to double check I was getting her first name right because it is said in the movie. Militia. Militia. As in malicious. Yes. And in... Well, uh, I'm going to let you guess. What popular movie was she in that you would know? I've said the movie a couple... The franchise a couple times already. Harry Potter? Yes. Rita Skeeter. In Harry Potter. Oh, jeez. That's another character I hate in that book. <laughs> yes. And she played that character. Oh, wow. Now I can hear it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, John Sherrion in a very cut down role of the circus man, a.k.a. Rocky's owner. Because mm-hmm. uh, that role was originally much bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also was the character, uh, played a, a Floshton captain in The Fifth Element. Floshton captain. That's an alien race. Yeah, I've, 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 I've seen the I'm not element. even sure I'm saying the name of the race correctly, so my apologies. That is a very interesting film, let's yes. say that. <laughs> And getting into the Kingdom Hearts connections. Once again, there are none in this one. Two for two. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Maybe we'll have some better luck next week. Maybe. I actually don't know. I haven't looked at that one yet. Anyway. (laughs) So uh, what do we got in info and stuff? All right. Info and stuff. All right. So info and stuff. It is available to watch for free on Peacock Network. So if you have Ooh. Peacock, if you have Peacock, you can watch it for free. Um, foul movie for a foul net, for foul streaming service. Exactly. Get your fe- tail feathers up. Uh, all right. On IMDb, it has a 7 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, this is a 97% and an audience score of 69. The audience doesn't know what they're talking about on this one. It deserves to be bigger. <laughs> Spoiler alert on my thoughts. <laughs> All right, production. It was done by Armin Animation, DreamWorks Animation, Align Filmmakers, which was uncredited, um, Pathé, Pathé, which I have no... Apparently, this is a French distributor. Uh, no, it's actually one of the uh, people who cr- uh, helped produce the film. Yes, but I mean, that was one of the things. They were the, they were the, pat- they were the French mm-hmm. uh, studio that also got distribution right yes. in France. Speaking of... Uh, Padel's uh, distribution for Europe uh, and DreamWorks Pictures for uh, worldwide release. All right. Uh, it was released on June 22nd, 2000 in the U.S. and June 30th in the U.K., which is weird because this is a U.K. movie. But I, DreamWorks I just, apparently got the better deal. Agreed. Agreed. All right. It had an estimated budget of $45 million. Its opening U.S. weekend, uh, its opening weekend was seventeen point five million dollars. That was on June twenty fifth, two thousand. Its uh, overall gross in the United States was one hundred and six point eight million dollars. Its uh, worldwide gross was two hundred and twenty four point eight million dollars. Home release: uh, Chicken Run was released on VHS and DVD on November. 21st, 2000, um, July, 2014, uh, the film, uh, the film rights, uh, distribution right was purchased by DreamWorks animation and Paramount pictures owned owners of the pre live action, uh, DreamWorks catalog, uh, and transferred to 20th century Fox. 
And then eventually Universal. Yeah, and eventually Universal. As a result, Universal, Universal Home Video released Chicken Run on Blu-ray November... Uh, no- November... Uh, in North America on July twenty July twenty second two thousand nineteen, a sequel. Now mm-hmm. this is interesting. Yes. All right. After years of lying dormant, a sequel to Chicken Run was announced on April twenty sixth two thousand eighteen. Uh, it was announced that Armin Anit- Anim- Anit- uh, Armin Animations would return with a uh, Studio Camel. Pathar and DreamWorks Animation uh, uh, will not I be. That's the DreamWorks Animation. I didn't think was involved. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they're, they're they will not be involved after they uh, ended their partnership with Arben at the release of Flushed Away in 2000, mm-hmm. 2006. As of which probably means this will be released by Sony Pictures Animation over here when the time comes. Yes, because they've been working with them a lot recently. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm sorry. You're good. On June 22nd, 2020, on the 20th anniversary of the film's release in U.S. cinema, Networks uh, Netflix announced that it has negotiated with Arbonne Films, Panther, and DreamWorks Universal Pictures to acquire the rights to the sequel. Uh, principal photography began on February 27th, 2021. On April 16th, 2021, production began uh, to May 2nd, 2021. It is expected at this current time to be released some point in 2023. And assuming the podcast is still going by that point, which we have no reason not to think so. Yeah. Look forward to a reaction to that movie. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So getting into the summary for this film. A group of chickens live on an egg farm run by the Tweeties. They try to escape, but are always caught frustrated at the minuscule and declining profits that the farm generates. Mrs. Tweety conceives an idea of converting the farm to an automated production and having a pie machine to turn the chickens into meat pies. One day, the chicken's leader, Ginger, observes a rooster named Rocky Rhodes crash land in the farm. The chickens put a cast on his injured wing and hide him from the Tweeties. Interested in Rocky's apparent flying abilities, Ginger begs him to help teach her and the chickens to fly. Rocky gives them training lessons while Mr. Tweety builds the pie machine. Later, Rocky holds a party with his, when his wing is healed, and Ginger insists he demonstrate flying the next day. But Mr. Tweety finishes making the pie machine and puts Ginger in for a test run. Rocky saves her and inadvertently sabotages the machine, giving them time to warn the others of the, of the Tweety's plans and only a short time to escape. The next day, Ginger finds Rocky has fled, leaving behind part of a poster that reveals he was a stunt rooster, fired from a cannon, and unable to fly himself. Depressing her and the others, elderly rooster Fowler tries to cheer them up by telling them stories of his time in the Royal Air Force, giving Ginger the idea to create a plane to flee the farm. The chickens assemble parts for the plane as Mr. Tweety fixes the machine. Mrs. Tweety insists Mr. Tweety gather all the chickens for the machine, but when he comes in, the chickens attack him leaving him bound and gagged as they finish the plane. Rocky returns and joins them, but while they are taking off, Mrs. Tweety chases them and climbs up a strand of Christmas lights, snagged by the plane. Ginger races to sever it. She succeeds, sending Mrs. Tweety into the pie machine and causing a gravy explosion. The chickens continue their flight until they find an island where they enjoy their freedom and Ginger and Rocky start a relationship. Mmm, gravy. <laughs> 
Getting into the trivia for this episode. All of Babs's knitting that we mm-hmm. see in this movie yeah. is real. Ah. It was all done with toothpicks as needles. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> there was a major push to get the film nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards that year. The failure to get the nomination and the popularity of the of the film among Academy members led to the inclusion of Best Animated Feature for the next Academy Awards, 2002, which was won by the fellow DreamWorks film Shrek in 2001. Mm-hmm. After Rocky leaves, there is another. There's a joke at Mel Gibson's expense. Mm-hmm. Bunty says, I don't even think he was American, a reference to the common misconception that Mel Gibson is actually Australian, although he was born in the U.S. and didn't move to Australia until he was 12. The belief persists, especially in the U.K., that he's Australian. Mm-hmm. Mel Gibson's kids played a major part in convincing Gibson to take the part because they were very impressed with the Wallace and Gromit shorts. The original script featured an additional character, Ginger's little brother, Nobby. DreamWorks suggested that Nobby was left out in order to make the film less cute. According to the pattern of the scarf she is wearing, the Scottish chicken Mac, played by Lynn Ferguson, belongs to Clan MacLeod of Lewis, Scotland. Mm. Fowler's military service is not entirely unprecedented. During an actual recording made under fire during the March 24th, 1944 invasion of the Marshall Islands by the 5th Amphibian Corps, Correspondent Fred Welker respond, reported on the sudden appearance of a chicken in the midst of the gunfire, which broke the tension. Walker then reported on the inexplicable appearance of chickens during previous invasions, suggesting in jest that the USO must be sending them. <laughs> okay, interesting. The characters' bodies were made of silicone and latex covering, mm-hmm. while the heads and hands or wings were plasticine, or which is clay. All the chicken characters have collars and ruffles to hide the disparity between the modeling clay heads and wings and the latex-covered bodies. Ginger and Rocky were named after two of co-writer and co-director Nick Park's childhood pet chickens. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. The filmmakers were nervous about showing Rocky and Ginger kissing. Fearing the sight of two chickens touching beaks would look too awkward. This led to the running gag of their being interrupted every time they were about to kiss. <laughs> by the sound of the pie machine, by Ginger slapping Rocky, by the and by the gravy explosion. When the kiss finally comes, it is staged so that the actual contact of quote-unquote lips is hidden. <laughs> there is a reference early in the, uh, in the movie during the machine escape mm-hmm. to Indiana Jones, where she reaches back in and grabs her hat before uh, the, the uh, door closes. Yeah. Well, there's actually another reference in that sequence that was never used. It would have had Rocky come face to face with a chicken skeleton inside the machine, as Indy does in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Rocky would then have said, they bought a used machine? How cheap is that? And uh, Mel Gibson recorded all of his lines separately in the United States, while the rest of the cast recorded together at Ardman Animations Limited in Bristol, England. Mm. It took a week to create three or four chickens. Each one was designed with an armature underneath, like a skeleton, and rods were used whenever a chicken ran or flew. The puppets were then manipulated and photographed 24 times for every second of film. 
Several puppets were produced because plasticine isn't too durable. So silicon was used too because it is more durable and saved time on making more puppets. There were 100 individual stages in order to create one chicken. Wow. Early in development, Max's name was supposed to be short for McNugget. <laughs> McNugget? McNugget. Really? Yes. Many sequences were modeled after The Great Escape, 1963. Of course. When Ginger is digging the tunnel, she is shown on a small trolley being pulled through the tunnel, mm -hmm. like the character played by Charles Bronson. When she is locked up, she bounces a ball against the wall, like the character played by Steve McQueen. Even the music is similar to the escape theme. When Rocky first appears on the farm, Fowler denounces him and all Yanks by calling them overpaid, oversexed, and overhere. This was a common gripe about U.S. service members, expressed by British and in the Pacific Theater Australian troops and civilians during World War II. Mm -hmm. It has since passed into the vernacular as an expression of mild resentment towards America. The American retort was that the Allies were underpaid, undersexed, and under Eisenhower. In the same rant, Fowler also claims that Yanks are late for every war. The U.S. entered World War I in 1917 and World War II in December of 1941, roughly three years after the British had started fighting in each war. Mm. Well, technically, America did not enter the war until 1943. Well, officially. Officially, yes. There they, were people over there already, but yeah. anyway. Or they didn't hit the shores until 1944, so... Either way, anyway, you, you're, you're, you're talking to the history nerd here. <laughs> I'm just quoting what I found on IMDb, I will admit there is always problems. Oh, yeah. Hut 17 is a reference to the World War II POW film Stalag 17 from 1953, mm. directed by Billy Wilder. Rocky also says, I've met a load of hard-boiled eggs in my time, but you're 20 minutes. A line from Wilder's film previous to Stalag 17, Ace mm. in the Hole. The orchestra for this film included, in addition to the traditional orchestra and chorus, mm. a 15-piece kazoo choir. I a, saw that. A bagpiper, a jazz band, a harmonica player, and an accordionist. Last, and most certainly not least, even though this should get me killed on Star Wars Day, <laughs> During the escape scene at the end of the film, Max says, I kind of work miracles, Captain. We're giving her all she's got. <laughs> I love that. And later, when Mrs. Tweety grabs onto the rope, hanging from the chicken's flying hut, Fowler shouts, Great Scott, what was that? Which then Mac replies, It's a Klingon, Captain. I can't, the engines kind of take more of it. <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> Yes, I will prove it to you. Oh my gosh, yes, that is so excellent. This is both, these are both references to the Star Trek character from the original series, uh, Chief Engineer Montgomery Scott, played by James Doohan, who, like Mac, is also Scottish and the Chief Engineering Officer aboard the USS Enterprise. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that, that you is... were probably still laughing too much for... The engines kind of take more of its captain. I heard that. <laughs> you kind of break the laws of physics. <laughs> All right. So I, I do want to bring my own little bit of trivia. So when we first meet uh, Rocky, mm -hmm. 
Oh yeah. What, I, what, I, what, I left this part out. What what is what is the first thing he you hear him say? He shouts freedom. Much like William Wallace says in Braveheart. Yes. <laughs> you can take our eggs, but you can never take, take our, our freedom. freedom. <laughs> that would have been a funnier line, but that uh, wouldn't have fit that part of the movie. Uh so I want to I want to just say this one real really funny thing, kind of connected with William Wallace. Uh, so my family on my mother's side is uh, the Anderson clan, which can go directly back to Scott to uh, to uh, Scotland. Whereas I can be traced back back to Clan McKinnon. Mm, interesting, Clan McKinnon. All right. So regarding regarding the Anderson clan, the Anderson clan uh, at the, the Battle of Anderson. Yes, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. So the Battle of Stirling Bridge was a very famous uh, battle between the uh, uh, the Europe- European forces and the Scots. Uh, my family actually fought with William Wallace. And oddly enough, I actually house set for a Wallace family, and it turns out they're direct se- he is a direct descendant of William Wallace. Nice. So I was like, "Wow, what about the Kawinkity?" And I, my 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 nerdy mind went boom. <laughs> it was so awesome. So yeah, little nice, nice little tie into there. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, since I've been talking quite a bit, even though you just talked for quite a bit, what is your first like for this film? Learning to fly. <laughs> The, the the whole sequence, the whole gag of Rocky, quote-unquote, teaching the hens how to fly. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. Hens don't fly. No, <laughs> chickens don't fly. Chickens don't fly. And I'm like, wait That's a minute. That's the whole gag. Yeah, that was this entire it, movie. Well, it, it took me a moment. I was like, wait. I was like, okay, Rocky's flying, but he's not really flying because you hear that, that cannon shot off. Mm-hmm. So... It's it's Rocky being pushed into a position that he needs because um, Ginger is fully believes that this 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 uh, this chicken can fly or this rooster can fly, and he's very hesitant because he wants to pull her aside. It's like, hey, I really didn't fly. I got blown out of a cannon. But then he his ego gets the better of him, or his hubris gets the better of him. It's like, oh yeah, I can teach you guys how to fly, no problem. It's it's the entire montage of them the, the exercising the uh, the launching of catapults, which I thought was the way they were going to do it. I did yeah. not expect them to build a plane. <laughs> um, but just the, the whole uh uh regiment of them learning how to fly and um Rocky kind of enjoying the the leisure of all these hens enjoying him and like you know. Uh, enjoying his company and all the time he can't fly. He doesn't know how to fly. All he knows how to do is just get shot at a cannon. And Pretty it was, much. and it was. I, I thought it was the, the 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 neatest idea that when Rocky leaves on the day of they're going to you know f- you know learn to fly that it's discovered that oh yeah he actually got shot at a cannon. Yeah, I thought that was like brilliant. It was a brilliant um, story move. And I was like, oh, okay. So we we get the we get the poster, and you don't realize there's a, there's a bottom half missing. Yeah. 
And I'm like, wow, okay, that was good. That was a really, really good ploy because I didn't catch it. And then when Ginger discovers that it's like, oh my gosh, the world's, we're doomed. We're mm-hmm. going to be all become pies. Yeah. And then, you know, luckily they, they, they are the, uh, of oh, the, uh, the, the older, um, oh, come on. What's his name? Fowler. Yeah. Fowler. Fowler, who I thought was, uh, John Hunt. Like listening to him. I thought he was John Hunt, mm-hmm. but I was mistaken. You mean John Hurt? Yeah, John Hurt. That's what I mean, Jay. John Hurt. Um, but uh, yeah, just the, the whole thing, the 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 uh, the hubris of learn. Like you're going to learn how to fly when you're a chicken, which a chicken cannot fly. I thought that was funny. I thought the entire thing was hilarious. <laughs> okay. All right. What is your number one? My number one is the tragedy of Edwina the Hen. Oh, okay. <laughs> you remember who Edwina was? And it, it, isn't she the one that was? She gets plucked out because she didn't stop producing eggs. Very beginning of the movie. Yeah, the ent- her entire role mm-hmm. is to show what's going to happen if they fail. Oh yeah, or what's what? What if they fail to produce eggs? Yeah, to give us the first bit of issue, and then the fact that the the pie thing comes later is mm-hmm. like now we're going to do it at full operating capacity but the way that entire sequence is handled mm-hmm. you get that part where uh mrs tweedy is walking down the line and all you see at first is the little zero the, the five red zeros across the clipboard mm-hmm and they get a little bit of explanations. Oh no, it's Edwina. She hasn't produced an egg all week. Why didn't you give her some yours? She didn't tell me. She didn't tell anyone. <laughs> it's like, A, how do you know she didn't tell anyone? B, this chicken is a red shirt waiting to happen. Because yeah, that's exactly. the entire point of the character. And so, and that's like you, you get the chicken being carried off to the barn. Motiv- a motivational sacrifice. Yes. You see... You get a glimpse of an axe. Mm-hmm. You then get a shot of the chickens walking around their pen uh, and looking in that direction, and you hear just exactly. That's all you hear. Yeah, and the music kind of and you know takes a downturn, and everyone's sad and everything. And then <laughs> just to push it in just a little bit more. The next scene that's in their house is they're talking about how little minuscule profits they're getting. Oh, yeah. Her skeleton is on the table. Oh, yeah. They ate her. Oh, my God. Just to say, yeah, here's what is at stake. Yes. Right now, when things are relatively in good shape. Mm-hmm. And it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I love how they handled the tragedy of Edwina the Hen. <laughs> oh, gosh. You're number two, like. My number two, like. Um, beautiful stop, ma- stop motion. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump in on this one because this is also my number two. Yeah, because there again, stop motion is is a dying art. Yes. It's a dying art It's not because CG, CGI has 
dominated the, the, the market when it comes to animated films. In fact, Ardman even does a lot of CG now. Yeah. But, you know, this being 2000 and the fact that Ardman started off as an, as a, uh, as a, you know, stop motion claymation, mm-hmm. uh, and to see some, to see some of their, their early beginning stuff was really good. Yeah. Uh, but just the, the fact that like, you're looking at like, like the, the camera movements and the fact that for, for like one day's work, like, like, like <clears throat> to get, for two for two seconds of film, it took an entire day. Yeah, because you're looking at 48 shots. Yeah, in essence. Yeah, pretty much. And claymation. Yeah, claymation is hard. 48 clicks of the shutter of a camera. Mm-hmm. And that's what you. And it takes all day to get all that set up and all that took. Oh yeah. Even though you're only maybe moving a little bit here or there. Yeah, you're basically doing this. Yes, and keep in mind, I'm. That's just talking about stuff like the shot of Ginger and Rocky on top of the hen house Mm -hmm. there, where that's a relatively simple shot. Now imagine how much work the shots on the inside of the plane with all the chickens in there are, how hard that was. That was, that had to be, that was a huge set. Or the uh, dance scene in the middle of, Mm -hmm. middle of the movie. Oh yeah. With a flip flop flop. Uh, I love that. I love the name of that song. Yeah, yeah. Just overall, but like the the cinematography of how they like at some points do like almost a three sixty shot. Yeah, in, in some scenes where it's like, oh my gosh, it'd be like how just to calculate that, like how many months did it take you to do that one shot? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like using the 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 Matrix um, uh, three sixty shot, but with claymation. It's yeah, just like ah, that's that's gonna be insane. But it's just, it's beautifully well executed film that has just this uh, ratcheted up artistic flair to it that just is so wonderful to watch, and it's just, it, it's mind blowing watching you know professionally well done uh, claymation or in this case stop motion. It's just it's mind boggling. And mm-hmm. the uh, the exoskeleton the uh, the skeletons they built for this yeah and uh, like even during the documentary the they stated it's like yeah it's kind of like a Terminator <laughs> Terminator they go yeah. up to the eye and it glows it's hilarious go go check the features out it's great it's just a wonderful mm-hmm. piece of art when it comes to stop motion and like I said in the beginning it's it's a dying art and it's it's great to see stuff like this I think the the one that we I'll be like we've we've done a few stop motion films yes. right now. Uh, Kudo K- and Kubo K- and the Two Flames. Strings. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Wallace and Gromit: Robin. Curse of the Were Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was oh Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, Corpse Bride. Yes, I think that's all of them. I think so. But yeah, just the we need to do more stop motion. Yes, we do. In fact, remind me to ask, talk to you about something. When we get done. All right. Yeah. So basically the animation and stop motion. What is your, I think you just, yeah. My number two is also the stop motion and claymation in this film because this stuff is downright beautiful. I'm going to try and touch on some things you didn't. One of the big ones I want to touch on is the design of 
the chicken heads. Yeah. Now this does use Ardman's tr- uh, traditional style of, you know, the really small eyes and really big mouths, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't think would translate to chickens very well. Yeah. But the idea of using the top part of the beak as a nose, in essence, mm-hmm. I think worked very well in this design. Yes. Um, every single chicken in the film is beautifully well done. It's They look like giant flightless birds. Yes. And I love how they had to make the chickens and the Tweeties different sizes depending on the shot when they were in the same scene mm-hmm. in many of the scenes in many of the scenes that had uh you have the tweeties at a relatively huge size so that they would tower over the chickens mm-hmm. and then you'd have little bitty chickens yeah but then you'd have to have the chickens be full size in their shots and they would actually have essentially tweeties that were the same physical size as the chicken models for the shots that only included them. Mm-hmm. And then you have the chicken pot pie machine. Oh my gosh. That machine, A, kudos for it actually feeling like a real factory machine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So many times you just get these machines in cartoons and such where you don't really know how it does what it does. Mm-hmm. It kind of just something magically goes in one side and comes out magically turned into something else. This actually feels like, and I can see how it would work, an actual chicken pot pie making machine, even though it's a bit of a contraption. Mm-hmm. And I am betting that uh, the Wallace and Gromit shorts helped with the uh, the feel of that and the animation oh. Oh, for yeah. stuff like the wrong trousers mm-hmm. is the one that comes to my mind. Um but that whole thing where it's like it's amazing how cavernous yeah. the inside of that feels. And still one of my favorite parts is when they're getting chased by the gears. Oh, that's as hilarious. Escaping skipping out that I have an issue that I'll bring up later with the that entire scene. But uh, for the most part, the animation in that is spectacular. The animation in the whole movie is spectacular. And I love the design of the of uh, the plane. Hmm. The fact that it actually does look like it would operate the way we see it operating. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that would actually produce flight, another matter entirely. Yes. And I will leave it alone. Yes. But I can see how the mechanics of that machine works and mm-hmm. I, I and I liked how how well it was animated and I like how you can tell what it was made out of. So yeah. I'm agreeing with you that my my second like for this film is the stop motion animation. Okay. What is your third? My third uh definitely going into the the history nerd in me is the the World War II parallels mm-hmm. of the uh British uh POWs now at a POW camp. And uh, the the fact that I like it's just it's so wonderful. The fact that like your opening shot is it literally looks like a it looks like a POW camp, mm-hmm. and you have the uh, the 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 night watchman and the two dogs, yes, and the uh, the brave escape. And it's like, wait, this is a chicken coop. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just perfect. Like the fact that the, the water tower looks like a gar- like a, looks like a guardhouse. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, like the the layout of the camp, the layout of the the uh, the pen looks like a POW camp, mm-hmm. just like excellent. The the fact that like there there's so many different they they use like terminology and um, it's I mean like it's it it gave me such a thrill to watch this and I'm like oh my gosh I'm like and I haven't watched this yet. Where was this my entire life? Oh yeah. It was it was 2000. I was like, I don't really watch cartoons anymore. There are so many films both of us should have watched. Yeah, oh, during agreed. that era of oh, our lives. Agreed. Everybody goes through, I think. Yeah, I agree. That we missed and we've had to go back and watch. Oh yeah. A couple of those will be coming up in the next few weeks for me. So. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So what is your My third, third like mm-hmm. is the Tweeties. Oh, okay. Mr. Tweety and Militia Tweety. Mm-hmm. Militia Tweety is by far... For one thing, I can't look at this and not think... Look at these two and not think back to the television show Hogan's Heroes. Okay. The, the Commandant and... Uh, oh, shoot. I can't think of his name. But, um, but they're very much... I mean, the Commandant in, in Hogan's Heroes is definitely a lot more community because it's a sitcom mm-hmm. set in a POW camp in World War II. But, I mean, that's that was primarily, especially at this age that I would have seen this in, primarily my uh, my reference that I could make to what this movie was. Mm-hmm. But I can see her as the evil Commandant of the prison with Mr. Tweety being the goofy, slightly idiotic... Yeah, uh, guard, and their how they work off of each other is their lines against each other are some of the best lines in the whole movie, in my opinion. My favorite is when the after the the hens start attacking Mister Tweety. Oh yes, and he goes, "The chickens, they're revolting," and Mrs. Tweety says, "Finally, something we can agree Beyond. on." <laughs> Or it's like, what? those chickens, they're up to something. I, the ginger one, she's their leader. They're chickens, you dolt! <laughs> the whole dynamic between those two. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, and, oh, let's not forget. What kind of machine is it? It's a pie machine. What kind of pies? Really? Apple. <laughs> really? I like apple pies. Why? Chicken pie, you dolt! <laughs> The whole, their whole dynamic. Oh yeah, is perfect. Agreed. But there is one joke. I say joke. There's one shot mm-hmm. that cements Mrs. Tweety as the best villain, probably of that decade. Okay. I'm gonna say, for me anyway. And that is the shot where she's holding on to the Christmas tree lights. After they've hit the uh, oh <laughs> the uh, the billboard, yeah, and Ginger looks up and she sees this nice plastered version of Mrs. Tweety, looking kind, and she and she rips and Mrs. Tweety rips the thing off, and she's got the axe being held in her mouth, and looks like she's about ready to spit fire. <laughs> it's like that is the best shot. I don't care. That that just proves how crazy this woman is. Yes, and how much she's tired of the measly profits that she has been making. 
Spoiler alert! You have great amount of losses at this point at the end of this movie. Oh, yeah. You, you've literally a, lost the farm. A, you no longer have the chickens. Yeah. Which you had no way of... I'll bring, I'll bring that part up in a minute in the okay. logistics. Because <laughs> I have a logistics issue. Okay. You've got... You, you, she lost the chickens. Mm-hmm. She's lost the machine... Not to mention the cost of the machine that now she's not getting anything from. Yeah. And the supplies that were in that machine, both gravy, dough, or gravy, dough, and vegetables. Mm-hmm. You've got, I don't know how much destruction the launching of that plane actually caused, but you are definitely missing most of your hen houses at this point. Mm-hmm. And the barn is gone. (laughs) At that point, you and Mr. Tweedy move into the city and get regular jobs. Yeah, pretty much. You have destroyed. Congratulations, Militia Tweedy. You are in debt. A lot of debt. Because you not, not only, not only have you lost all that. More than likely from the sound of things. You've already made deals with the local grocery store. Yeah. Which you now cannot fulfill. Yes. You've printed labels. We've seen that. Uh Uh-huh. She has a billboard (laughs) that not only does she not have that advertisement anymore that she paid for. Uh Uh-huh. She's probably now responsible for the damages to that billboard of her property, of the chickens, because at the time they were still her property. Mm Mm-hmm destroying that billboard with her face on it. She, because she was tired of small profits. Yes. She now has more debt than the farm probably ever had in in all of its existence over who knows how many years. Yeah, pretty much. We know at least three generations, probably more. And that is my third like. Wow. Okay. <laughs> the Tweeties. They are ridiculous. They are over the top. And they are hilarious. Agreed. And I can definitely see them as the runners of a prison camp. <laughs> Even if it's a prison camp for chickens. Bravo. <laughs> now we have to go into our dislikes. Yes. What is your first dislike? My first dislike is actually... Laying of eggs. I'm just glad we never had to show them laying the eggs. Yeah, but the fact is, like, okay, we, we have the uh, the the sacrificial the sacrifice. No, I take that back. We did see them laying eggs. See one of them laying eggs yeah. at one point. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I stripped that one from my mind. Yeah, true. All right, so laying of eggs. So. The uh the the sacrificial character who is I'm forgetting her name at the moment Edwina Edwina uh gets you know gets the axe because she's not producing eggs yeah what about Ginger the, it's it's stated late produced eggs that she hasn't how do you know there's not an egg in that coal bin well uh, well according to another another chicken one of the other chickens it was. Our hens, excuse me, had said, um, "If you if you would if you would spend 
spend yes. if you would spend more Bun- time Bun- playing eggs instead of pl- pl- playing escapes. Okay, like we might not be in this issue. Mm-hmm. Bunty's exact line was, "Well, she was talking about Edwina doing that." Yeah, not Ginger. More than likely, they did not do an escape attempt every night. So more than likely, Ginger had to have been in her normal nest mm-hmm. at least two or three nights a week. Right. And probably produce some eggs. Mm. That's my theory. My guess is Edwina is a bit of a nervous nit in a way. Possibly. And possibly the idea of getting caught may have caused her to be uh, not as productive, let's say. Yeah. That's my theory. Okay. I have no quote on this. I got you. Yeah, it just it seemed very odd because we like you you find that Ginger is always planning and scheming. She's always in the uh the isolation booth every night. We don't know if it's every night, we just it's, know it's regular. Yeah, it's very regular. So it would it would almost come to a conclusion and be like, is she producing eggs? And it, the answer is we don't have a, a hard fact. The, we don't know for certain because we did not see her name on the list and see how many eggs that week she'd produced. Yeah, exactly. I will grant you we do not have this. However, I would say just I, I would say the fact that she's not been put to the axe. Yeah. Prior at any point prior to this, the fact that her life doesn't come into danger until. They need to test the machine. Yeah. Proves that she is at least producing the bare minimum amount of eggs to not get killed. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. The bare minimum. Yeah. Which I'm assuming is at least one a week. Yeah. One would think. One hopes. One would hope. Or unless she's stealing other egg, you know, other eggs. I (laughs) doubt that because she's a good person. She's a good hen. Yes. Just has has higher ambitions. (laughs) Yes, she's she wants everyone to be free, but she recognizes she still has to work within the system to some degree. That is true. Anyway. Either way, so that is my first dislike. Uh, what is your first dislike? My first dislike is a continuity issue in, uh, the, in inside the machine. Okay. When uh, they're in the pie and the hot gravy is about to squirt into the pie there... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's before they get into the oven. The uh, camera, we're, we're seeing it from their their uh, position, and we get, come underneath that gun, and we see the, what I'm guessing is the rubber, I don't know what you call it, the, the, the bit of rubber expands to show that it's full and ready to squirt. Yeah. We see it puff out. Yeah. Obviously saying, you know, this thing's ready to go. But when the camera shifts to them, you know, getting out and the gravy actually squirting in, that first first couple frames, it is small again and then puffs back out before before it actually squirt. I didn't notice that. It's literally a second Mm. that it's obviously smaller again and puffs back out. So half a day's work. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing that gets to me. Uh, My guess is... That um, they initially sh- were planning on showing more of the process. You know, in some uh, movies, if mm-hmm. they have one of these factory things, like someone's tied up and is going to get you know pulverized by something, like in a spy movie, like yeah. a James Bond movie. 
I have a gotcha. feeling this might have been a James Bond reference. I gotcha. They'll show the spot right before where James Bond is on the conveyor belt, mm-hmm. and it'll act like, oh, is he going to get in there? And the you know the hot metal pours down just in time. The camera switches that, and you see, oh, James Bond's not the one getting burnt right now. It's obviously the the one right before him. Mm-hmm. I suspect it was something like that was the original shot. You were going to see the the whole thing begin to squirt, and then it would shift to the one before it getting the gravy, and then they would move under it, and then yeah. you would get that scene. Yeah. But I have a feeling they cut the middle parts of that out for timing issues. Yeah. Once again, theory. Don't have any proof of this. Okay. But the fact that that... And I'll admit this is a nitpick. But the fact that we do get that little continuity issue between a couple frames just stood out to me. Okay. What's your second dislike? My second dislike, there again, my last two are very much nitpicks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's looking at, like, watching animation now for the third you know, third year for reviewing. Uh, you notice little things like in animation, uh, like one of the films we did uh, would be The Swamp Princess, where there is a scene where the literal, the frame drops out of frame. Mm-hmm. You have the exact well, same... I, I still think of... When we watched Oliver and Company and the two dogs just disappear right before they fall off screen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just stuff like that. Just little things like that. There's there's one moment where I think it's um, Ginger who is talking and literally you see like a little bit of the frame just kind of poke out just a little bit in the corner. You see that for like maybe like two, maybe like a second and a half. Okay. Now, my I have. You know I'm going to have questions because I like to defend stuff and play devil's okay. advocate. Right. Is that the fault of the animators? Or is it the fault of the people doing the transfer from the film elements to the 1080p video? I'm not sure. For the Blu-ray. It could be. You never know. Something I, like I, that I, sounds like it could be. It could be that it's in both and I just... A, I did not notice it in this viewing, mm-hmm. so I can't comment on how it looked. Yeah, but I suspect it's probably in the other in the VHS and the DVD master also, and I just yeah. don't know it because I missed that one. Yeah. So there again, it's it's a little nitpick. You notice these little things where most people who watch it are like, oh, this is a great film, but you like when you're doing a like critical review of a film that you start to notice really odd things, definitely about animation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there again, these are made by people who are flawed and, uh, have a tendency of making mistakes. And, uh, it could be during the production or it could be during, um, uh, uh, post-production or the transfer from yeah, Blu-ray later on. It could have been at any point. It's just, I saw that and I was like, that seems a little bit odd, but I couldn't pinpoint exactly you know, what, at what point of the uh, mm-hmm. process. I can tell you, and I noticed this while I was watching the credits, that there is a bit of a gate wobble in the transfer. So we are actually looking at the film transfer, not uh, in the element before that point. Mm-hmm. So you, you can watch the text kind of slowly move back and forth while yeah. in there, like film does. Yeah. So there is that. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not perfectly straight like we're used to with digital now. Okay. I don't think that's what you're referring to, but I did notice that. Oh, okay. But that kind of just put that for us. Yeah, that's just the film from when... That's how they did it back then. All right, so what is your dos? My number two. Rocky didn't get very far away before he had a change of heart. No, he didn't. 
And that's the thing. It's it's implied that he is miles away. Yeah. And, and I say it's implied because he they find he's not there that morning. Yeah. He does not show back up until that night. Yeah. Right before they take off. So obviously Mr. Tweedy's been working on the machine all day. They've been working on building the plane all day. And Rocky, as far as we know, has gone maybe a mile to where the billboard is. Yeah. And then back. And I say it's about a mile because, let's face it, when the plane takes off, it goes as far as that billboard. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had that great shot of her taking her happy face off and showing her evil face. Yeah. Because that requires that to happen. And then they can come They come back within minutes. Now, they're flying. Sure. Yeah. I have no idea how fast they're flying, but I can see a mile in a minute on in a, for for that. But it's a, but the thing is, it took him a mile to tricycle. It took him all day to to tricycle a mile away and back. Yeah, even if it's a, even if it's two miles, that's there are faster ways he could have done that if he was truly in a hurry to get back. Yeah, and yeah, I know he probably took him all to find the tricycle in the first place, mm-hmm. find the radio, Yo. tune it into the Wanderer, and then get out there. It's like oh. I should go back and help them. Six hours later, later. Here I am, Gert Ginger. Here, let me let me save you. You've been gone twelve hours, <laughs> and you went two miles. I know you're a chicken. I know the top speed of a chicken is probably nowhere near fast enough to get <laughs> to go more than maybe a mile in a day. Right? I don't know. I've never actually paid. A I've never looked into the science as to how fast a rooster can run. Right. Or how fast a rooster can ride a tricycle, for that matter. Mm -hmm. But he did not get very far. No, he didn't. And he took him a long time to get back. So, yeah. That bit of a issue. I gotcha. Rocky not getting very far is my second dislike. I gotcha. What's your third dislike? Uh, there again, a nitpick. Again, I don't know where this was in production. Either it was during production or post-production or during um, uh, transfer. Mm-hmm. At one point when the chickens are actually running, be like the, I think it's the, the frame where you just kind of just, it, okay, it, lo- it looks so odd. I the, do know that the Frame rate for this is not actually 24 frames per second. Okay. Which is your normal, uh, no, your your normal, uh, frame per second, I think for a movie is like 28. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Uh, a large portion of the movie, I think is, uh, of, uh, stop motion is supposed to be 24. Uh They did this one at 20 frames per second. Makes sense. And so... A lot of your faster movement stuff is, or your, a lot of your faster movement stuff is going to stick out more. As Makes sense. As it's not going to look quite right. And you can't, unlike with normal animation, you can't cheat and have speed lines. True. Anyway. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. It's like, I'm agreeing with you. Here's the reason why I'm yeah, agreeing with agree, you. Yeah. It was literally a 20 frame per second film. Yeah. They yeah. an, if this was hand drawn, we'd say they animated on twos. Yeah. 
Whereas most stop motion is animated on once. Yeah. A grand be like m- most of the, the run cycles be like when they're actually running, be like, you don't see their feet per se. And yeah. most of them, but in that one particular shot or two, when they all start scrambling, all you see is just a blur of feet. Yeah. And it's just be like, it was a little and yet offsetting. It doesn't blur enough. Yeah. It doesn't blur enough because it's, yeah, it, it's just, yeah. The frame per second, which is so, just so odd. Mm-hmm. with that cycle either way so yeah it was my number three well if i remember correctly it was animated at 20 frames per second and then transferred to a 28 per frame per second actually it was um it was reef the 20 frame per second film was then transferred to a to the 28 uh frame per second master that would eventually would it would be edited on okay that's how it happened anyway sorry gotcha um my third dislike. Where are they getting the rest of these chickens? For this machine? What is her long range plans for this chicken pot pie factory thing she's starting off? Hmm. She's got roughly what? 20 chickens and a rooster? Possibly. Where are, is she going to go and buy chicks? I guess. Fowler looks to be far too old at this point to be the father of any chickens. Yeah. At this point. Right. And more than likely, he's the father of some of these hens. Probably. I'm guessing. And they're not going out and looking like they're buying a rooster. Because you can't count Rocky because he was being hidden there. Yeah. So my logistical issue is... That is a good point. What was her long-range plans once she got rid of the current chickens she had? Hmm. Who were... F- a, they were fattened up. Mm-hmm. But she... But, but once you get rid of that flock of 30 chickens, that's good for maybe... Let's say you can get two pot pies out of a chicken. Okay. Estimating. Depends on the size of your chicken. Does Babs, admittedly, maybe could get another three. Bunty, maybe four. I don't know. <laughs> but... Let's just running an average. Yeah. Two pot pies per chicken with the meats. Yeah. Even, and that's if you're being skimpy. Yeah. Which I can see uh, Militia being very skimpy in her meats. Mm-hmm. You get roughly 60 pies out of the current stock of chickens. Yeah. Nowhere near to fill, fill the band. Nowhere. It, it, that's enough to get a sample run. Mm-hmm. That is literally a sample run. That particular farm is not really designed to handle more than 30 chickens. Yeah. You're looking at full production. You're looking at, you need you know, a full thousand, chick- you're looking at thousands of birds. Now, to some degree, we have a little bit of insight on this because here in East Texas, there are a lot of chicken farms. Agreed. We have seen... And chicken, smelled. real chicken farms. Yes. We have smelled real chicken farms. Blech. We have walked through real chicken farms. We have driven past their plants. <laughs> <laughs> I, in order for them, even if it's just a local area, yeah, you need at least probably to be able to go through a hundred chickens a month. Yeah. Just to take care of the local grocery store, maybe a couple, two other places, maybe sell some at a, uh, at a corner market, not corner market, a, uh, 
a fair, a fair or a trade show or something yeah. like that. You need to go be able to handle a hundred chickens a month, and ideally, you want to get them as chicks mm-hmm. and completely control how they're raised. From ideally, you want them as eggs, but get them from chicks so you can take them from childhood to adulthood and you can feed them and take care of them and make sure they're safe and you know good for the actual act of making chicken pot pies yeah everything else you can order in you can't do that with the chickens very well yeah not without spending a boatload of additional money which already you're going from eggs to chicken pot pies I can't imagine there's that much additional profit going from an egg farm to a to a uh, to full on chicken production. Yeah, there's there's way too much overhead. A lot of overhead. You can go out of business with a chicken farm. Mm-hmm. With, with, with for for a and by chicken farm I mean farming the chickens, not farming their eggs. Yeah. At least with eggs, you can hold on to those. That you can. Well, you you've got the egg laying things for a long time here. You're just going through them like water through a goose. Mm-hmm. The chickens that are there, they're going to be gone in probably a week. Yeah. There's no way from her plan. Does this not hold up? Because no, she does not have enough chickens and there's no point. Does she look into saying, okay, where can we get some more chickens so we can get this going? All oh, this is, as far as we know, all doing this will do is get rid of all the chickens and then they can leave. But that's can't be your full goal. That's not why you buy a machine like this. Yeah. So I don't understand from a business perspective her plan. That there's there's no long term objective. You I have guess. a better long term goal with the eggs, right? With in their on their in their situation than you do making chicken pot pies. Mm-hmm. Also Last I checked, you got to freeze chicken pot pies. Mm-hmm. You're going to hold store them for any length of time. Yeah. So, but that's beside the point. I'm just saying, from a logistical point of view, the whole her whole plan makes no sense. Well, in that, in that, I, I Which, put, what I, do we expect from someone who who got their idea from an ad? Agreed. A get rich quick scheme ad. Agreed. And that's in that same idea. The idea that her ultimate goal is to get richer faster yeah. and like she's not thinking of all the logistics she's not thinking of like everything lo- long you gotta because yeah long-term planning at all admittedly their feed shouldn't go up because they should be able to use the same amount of feed to feed new chickens but now you've got to go get chickens because you are in so impatient mm-hmm. to get your current flock of chickens out of there you don't go to the trouble of saying, hmm, our rooster is getting old. Let's go get another rooster mm-hmm. for the sole purpose of getting us more chickens that we don't have to go pay anybody for. That's true. All they had to do was go find a rooster. Mm-hmm. Or, heck, accidentally find Rocky. Don't go tell the circus people that they found him. Mm-hmm. And have him be the rooster because we see by the end of the movie when they're on the island, he and Ginger at least got busy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One so, assumes he also got busy with a couple of the other chickens. 
but right. So we'll not get into that. Yeah. So here, here's another logistical problem with this. So the end of the movie, they're on this island. Yes. So a chicken sanctuary. A chicken sanctuary. So chickens primarily primarily eat feed or worms or what have you. Yeah. Be like you're you're living on an island. You can't fly. I'll be like you possibly. These are very intelligent birds, yeah. so they possibly could build a boat. But it's okay. So no, how- no, no. Here's the thing. I'm agreeing with you on this. Okay. And I have to, and I, and the reason I'm agreeing with you for, on this is because I am looking. I am I am thinking of the place I've been where I've seen an island that was a bird sanctuary. Okay. You know where Lake Fork is. Yes. Uh, if you go to Lake Fork from Quitman, I can't remember the name of that road. I think it's 155, but that, I don't. I'm also thinking that's not it. Maybe 154. Yeah. Anyway, that road that goes from Quitman to Sulphur Springs via Lake Fork. Mm-hmm. When you go across Lake Fork right there, there is a small island just to the right of it that uh, is a bird sanctuary. Okay. Every time I remember going past it, it was covered over with birds. Didn't matter what time of year. There's always birds on it. You want to know what was interesting about that island? Mm-hmm. Everything on the island was dead. That was not bird. Because they had eaten everything on the island. Uh-huh. They had pooped all over that island. And there's so much nitrogen on the island from all the bird poop that the trees can't even survive. Yeah. They are over-fertilized. Yep. That is the future of their chicken sanctuary, which is why I am interested to see what the sequel's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Let's the reason why the chicken yard did not have grass in it was not because, not just because uh, the war movie uh, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. It was also because it was a chicken yard and the chickens had pretty much everything on that island uh, in that yard away exactly anyway i think that's gonna bring us to the end of this review i think so what is your rating for this movie <sighs> i'm gonna give it a nine I, I i'd be like when first watching this film it like it instantly had me hooked the, the fact to be like you're using a pow camp style uh world war ii uh base for a chicken farm and using the using that as your basis for your film it like is genius and the fact to be like you get invested with the characters the 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 silliness of oh we're gonna make a you know make it a chicken pot pie and the mm-hmm. the, the the hilarious of this movie is great and uh like the comedy was great like uh, Mel Gibson did a tremendous job. Like everybody oh, yeah. in this film did an amazing job, and it's just so it was such a wonderful film that I loved, and I'm gonna. What my plan is to buy this film on Blu-ray. So, yeah, good I'm, choice. I'll, I'll definitely be purchasing this and in, in a future date. And yes, it is a nine for me. I'm giving it a nine point five. Okay, all three of my dislikes. I don't care about during the movie. Yeah. I was looking for my first one. I was looking for something because I knew I had to have something and I knew it was going to be tough. That's why I happened to see that little continuity issue. Okay. I had to think hard on the other two 
if I have to think hard about dislikes, it probably means there's not a lot I didn't like about the movie. Probably. So, if I didn't, if there's, there are obviously things I I wish were better because no film's perfect. Right. This is definitely not quite what I would call a ten. Hmm. So I gotta give it nine point five. Okay. Which brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Cellcast. All right. So before before we get into that, I did have a, a reply because yesterday I replied it was me Monday, and so I you know like put it out there, be like you know comment down below what did you like, and so the uh, Facebook user going by uh, Dapper Man uh, replied one of my favorite animated animated movies. It is it has great humor, fun story, and very well thought out, very thought out commentary. Still, still, still amazing. Mel Gibson voiced this, and it works. Agreed. So, thank you, Dapperman. So, our next movie is a movie that I have placed on the schedule in this position for one reason and one reason only. Mm. In memoriam of the vacation, I'm not going on mm. because of COVID nineteen. Because I was intending last year to go on a cruise. Obviously, it got canceled. We planned to go this year on a, and, and they were they were willing to give us cruise credit on board the ship, a very generous cruise credit, because obviously they want our business. Mm-hmm. And we kept up with it, and we were originally going to go leave this Saturday on this cruise. Mm-hmm. But we were always worried about it getting canceled. Yes. And when we found out that if the cruise was going to happen, uh, we were going to have to wear masks on deck, I think we all decided, you know, as much as we want to stop the spread of COVID-19 and all that, we want to be good people, if we have to wear masks on on the ship, that's not exactly getting us away from our problems. Right. Let's do vacation somewhere else. Yes. And so we went ahead and canceled. But at the same time... There's a part of me that's still thinking I'm going on the cruise next week. So (laughs) we're going on a cruise next week, in a sense. Full of monsters. Indeed. (laughs) Join us next week for Hotel Transylvania 3. In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast! Oh, boy! So where can they find you, Jacob? You can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. Also on Facebook at Jacob Daily Art Corner, where I try to draw each and every day. I don't get to it as often as I like, but uh, join me there. Also, you can find me on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. On Twitter at Jacob Heron and Letterbox at Jacob Heron. So where can they find you, Drew? You can also follow me on Letterbox at GGeorge759, Facebook as Drew Dodgen, uh, my Facebook page where you can see pictures I've taken at Drew's Photo Bin. You can also follow me on Twitter at GGeorge759. You can email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cast underscore cell. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thecellcastgaming. You can also follow us on YouTube at Cellcast. Listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, 
and your favorite podcast directory. You can also listen to us on the Movie of the Week podcast with Jim Heron, where we talk about live-action movies. And remember, Cell is a single, single L. L.